a controversial therapy resulted in a 10-year-old girl getting squished to death. Horrible. And then we look at a magical coconut that many people believe cures all poisons and comes from the bottom of the ocean. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a I'm having a better day. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I'm feeling a lot better. The antibiotics are kicking in. And speaking of feeling better, this episode, the first story is a little rough. I, I have a couple of rough stories this week. And when I say rough, I mean slightly depressing. I know we talk about some disturbing stuff from time to time, but this one's actually a little depressing because of what happened. Spoiler alert, a 10-year-old girl gets squished to death. And, you know, part of being a, you know, we're a paranormal conspiracy true crime podcast. Part of doing that is you do have to focus on crimes. I try to cover crimes, if you haven't noticed, like, I don't cover a lot of true crime. I try to cover stuff that's borders on paranormal or conspiracy. That's one thing I look at. The other thing is if it's funny, like John Eric Armstrong is like the biggest loser, the serial killer. He's just a total dork. I love that guy. Not, I love that episode. That guy's a dick, but... And then the weird unsolved ones, like Jonathan Luna, like we did yesterday. Candace Newmaker, the reason why I'm covering this story is, one, it was a request from the Bilal Bilal on Gmail, so thank you for the request. Secondly, because this practice, people still use this practice. It is still, some people consider it a legitimate form of therapy. It's been altered a bit in the preceding, or no, what would it be, postseding? In the af- after this event, it's been modified a bit, but people still use a variation of this. And I want to focus more on the actual procedure rather than this girl's death, but I do have to go into it a bit. Because it's, it's basically a cult. You have a group of therapists who are basically a cult. But anyway, so back in 2000, there was a young girl named Candace Newmaker. She was adopted at the age of seven. By the time she was 10, her adopted mother was like, I can't, I'm having a really hard time with my new daughter. What is it called when you adopt somebody? Is it your daughter? It's not like a stepdaughter. That's when you marry somebody, right? I guess that's just... So anyways, her daughter. We'll just say it's her daughter. I'm sure that's what it is. Because you don't go, this is my adopted daughter. Like, you just say, this is my daughter. I don't know. I've never adopted anyone or been adopted. But, so... Candace Newmaker, they take her to this therapist out in Colorado, and they have this thing where it's basically like building the bond between the new mom and the adopted kid. And for the first week, everything went relatively well. Like, they were bonding, she seemed to be behaving better, and then they got to this part of this therapy they call rebirthing. And what it is, is the child has to basically be reborn into the world, and the new mom is there, and the child is like, Mama, and the woman's like oh my daughter and so you go through the traumatic experience of being born and then you come out a new person in front of your mom now they wrapped her up in a blanket and put some pillows on her so she could like squiggle out now that would be fine in and of itself but it wasn't the only part of it candace was 70 pounds four adults got on top of her it was a combined total weight of over 400 pounds no sorry It was a combined weight of over 600 pounds out of these four people. I guess if it was four people and it was only 400 pounds, it would be very, very skinny people. But So anyways, Candace had to try to force her way out of this canal. 
They don't, they're, they're constantly pushing pressure on you, putting pressure on you to make you fight harder. This went on for about an hour and Candace Newmaker died. She basically, uh, she suffocated, she became brain dead, she passed away. The people in charge of it, who were in charge of that session, went to jail. And the mother got probation, and there were some other people there who got probation or time served or something like that as well. So that is the story of Candace Newmaker. If you want more of the gory details, that's fine. I don't mind giving gory details like ghost stories and conspiracy theories and stuff like that. This one, I was just, eh. Like... You know, that that's pretty much it. It's not like her gut shot out of her body or anything like that. It's just, you know, if you want to read, like, last words and stuff like that, I'm not that kind of... I'm, I'm not going to do that with this particular story. Because that's not the point of the story. So that that's basically the story of Candace Newmaker. Ten years old, killed during this stupid therapy session. Now, you would think that, one, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. Like, to think that... If, if their theory is true, every time I crawled out of a tent, I would the first person I'd see, I'd be like, Mom! Now you should say, no, no, what if people are like pushing on the tent still? Like, every time I crawled out of a sleeping bag that someone was, like, if someone jumped on a sleeping bag and I slid out, I'm like, Mom! And it's like Teddy Repskin. It doesn't work. The logic behind it doesn't work. And the people, this is generally a practice that is only really, really recognized in a small community in, in Colorado. And it's only been around from since the 70s. Now, when I read about this, I was like, that poor little girl, that's so horrible. And I could just imagine those therapists, they were probably half like, when they were doing it, they're probably thinking, man, we're geniuses if this works. And honestly, and and I'll say this, they were probably a little like, turned on by it. So, I mean, these scientists, you know what's so funny is when I first read the story, I imagined it like in a, like a clinical laboratory. I remember when I was reading the article, I imagined it in like a laboratory. And I was thinking like, you know, it's like linoleum floors and metal walls and like metal cabinets and so, for whatever reason, because I imagined it being fairly scientific. But the more I looked into it, I thought this was probably in someone's basement. This was probably in like a strip mall. They rented out a room in a strip mall and these people were acting like they were these behavioral psychologists or whatever. And they were just throwing kids in sleeping bags and sitting on them and charging a lot of money. This practice, even though it is it led to Candace Newmaker's death, it's actually one of the tamer practices of this community who talk about basically this whole set of therapists in Colorado. They focus on building up the bond between a foster and adopted child and the new parents. That's what this whole therapy is created for. This is what this is what they do. This is nuts. It's a common form of attachment therapy is the holding therapy where you restrain them in some way. It says, and I'm quoting here, in theory, when the child's resistance is overcome and the rage is released, so basically they're, I'm so mad, get off my sleeping bag. Once they like, I give up. I absolutely give up. They return to an infantile state in which he or she can be reparented by methods such as cradling, rocking, bottle feeding, and enforced eye contact. Remember, Candace was 10 years old. These aren't actual babies. What they're doing is they're breaking these young... They still do this, by the way. There are still places out there, especially in Colorado, in this community that do this. They take a kid, they break him down or her down mentally to that of a child. And then the adopted parent will cradle you and feed you with a bottle. That's some cult stuff right there. They're actually breaking the child's brain 
And so it is regressing to an infantile state and then re-experiencing childhood with the new parent. So you're breaking these kids down completely. They, The critics of these groups have said they are using the same techniques that are found in concentration camps and cults. The breaking down and building back up of a new personality. Candace Newmaker wasn't the only child who died either. Six children have died over the years. Not technically in the same rebirthing session, but they were either involved in the this, ses- these, this type of therapy or shortly afterwards died of this. I will tell you this, a little behind the scenes thing. The story you're going to hear of Candace Newmaker should be about nine to ten minutes long. The recording right now, I've just passed 28 minutes and 35 seconds. I've been going back and forth and back and forth, having an internal debate over whether or not these people should still be able to practice for basically 20 minutes. I'm going to throw the question out to you guys. Should pseudoscientific beliefs be allowed to be practiced along as normal therapy? Should they be labeled as this therapy has not been proven by science? Or should they be banned outright? That's basically what I've been debating with myself for the past 20 minutes. I'm not going to put it online or anything like that because it just goes all over the place. But I'm going to throw that out to you because I have a lot of different opinions about it and really not enough time to talk about it in this podcast. Maybe we'll talk about it in the comments, but at this point, I'm just going to throw it out to you. So 20 minutes later of talking to myself into a microphone about a girl getting squished and the socio-political ramifications of this. Oh, you know what I'm going to do now? I am actually going to say damn the time limit of the episode, because I don't know how long it's going to be now, because I talked so long about that. And I am going to do, because I want to, and I've wanted to for a while, I'm going to do another Dead Rabbit Recommends. Now, this Dead Rabbit Recommends is one of my favorite. It, I, I, I would go so far as to say it is probably in my top 50 films of all time. And that may not sound high, but it is. And it's easily the best conspiracy film. I can't think of a movie that is better than that about conspiracies. And it is called The Conspiracy. Now, The Conspiracy, that's the name of the movie. But the title of the movie is actually partially blurred out. So when you look at generally posters of the movie, it'll be the blank, it'll be all blurry, conspiracy. And you find out in the movie what the title of the movie actually is. It's amazing. I This movie caught me off guard. I saw an ad for it in the 40 and Times, which is a magazine that pretty much dealt with everything the podcast talks about. It is a story of two independent filmmakers who find this crazy guy on the streets of New York who's always ranting about the Bilderberg Group and 9-11 was an inside job and the Rockefellers and all that stuff. And they say, wouldn't it be awesome to see what this guy's like when he's not out on the street yelling? So these two young men begin filming him and they start to see the pattern. So one of them starts to believe in the conspiracy and the the other one has like a wife and kid at home and he kind of starts to believe in it, but he's just kind of like, oh, it's, it's all nuts. And then the guy, the conspiracy theorist, goes missing. And his house, his apartment is trashed. And so the two young filmmakers have to make a decision. Do they continue to shoot their documentary with the information that they have? Or do they just go, let's file a missing persons report and end it? Now, of course, they continue to shoot the documentary with 
pretty awesome results. It is a really, really good film. It has easily one of the best first act to second act changes I've ever seen. Like, you're watching the movie, and there's this scene, and you feel the whole movie shift. You know right then, the second act has started. The movie is going to go in a completely different direction from where you've been. And I remember watching it, and I kind of like, just as a writer and a fan of film, I remember thinking, what, that, it was amazing. Like, you're like, now the movie is headed in a completely different direction. It's constantly zigging and zagging. I recommend it. it. It is The Conspiracy. I believe it's on Netflix. You can definitely rent it on YouTube. It's not as obscure as, like, The Evil Within that I recommended. But The Conspiracy, you'll enjoy it. Trust me, you'll enjoy it. Okay, so we're going to talk about one more story here. I'm dreading having to edit the Candace Newmaker stuff, but uh, let's go ahead and get started with this one because I do want to talk about it. I want to end on a fun note. This is the story of the Coco de Mer. Coco de Mer. So the Coco de Mer, this was really fascinating to me. And I think it's just one of those stories that's fascinating to me because it kind of relates to how humans observe things and the stories we create from just observation. So the Coco de Mer is a coconut. It's about 40 kilograms. So what is that in like normal pounds? That's like um, 35 pounds, something like that. I think a kilogram weighs a little bit more. But anyway, so I'll just say 40 kilograms because I know that. It's this 40 kilogram coconut. So it's it's bigger than a regular coconut. It's actually the biggest seed on the planet. It's the world's largest seed. And what happens is, just like the coconut, they fall off the trees, and they'll generally they're just land in the dirt, and then a new coco de mer tree will grow. These are in the, well, how do you pronounce it? Seychelles? Seychelles? It's some island stuff. It's an archipelago in the Indian Ocean. Anyways, so anyways, these coco de mers will fall and grow a new tree. Now you're going, but wait a second, coco de mer, like, is that like a mermaid? And I'm like, yes clever man. You guessed it. What happens is these things will also fall and roll off the little island that they're on. I imagine it's like a desert island, just like with one tree. They'll fall onto the water, but they're so heavy. They're not like a coconut. So a coconut will float across the ocean and wash up on the sea of another beach, and then a coconut tree will grow there. So that's how the coconut trees spread. That's why whenever you see a single desert island in a far side comic strip there is a coconut tree there just a single one because a seed floated from somewhere else it's very weird it's kind of like how like an amoeba would kind of like break off and spread i don't know how amoebas work but anyways so the coconut will do that a coco de mer is so heavy it sinks to the bottom of the ocean and then the furry part will slough off and then it will be light enough that it will then float to the top of the ocean and then float to an island But because the furry part is gone, it's no longer a fertile seed. So it would just float along and then it would wash up on on the sea. Now, what happened was they refined these. There's two unique things about these things, other than they're the world's largest seed. You would find these things on the beach. And one side looks like a shapely woman's hips and thighs. And then you flip it over and it looks like a woman's buttocks. Or maybe a man's buttocks. I don't know if he had like that nice shape. But generally, they would find these giant seeds on the beach or floating in the water. And one side looked like a hot chick 
And the other side looked like another, her butt. The front hot chick and the back hot chick. It's the same hot chick. It's like a Kim Kardashian-shaped coconut. And they would find these, and they were fairly rare. Um, one of them was bought for 4,000 florins. And I'm assuming that's the 4,000 gold florins as opposed to the silver florins. I'm sure that's a lot of money just because they're gold. But anyway, so you would find these things, and they looked super sexy. And so people wanted them. And they're like, oh, dude, I'm going to... They didn't have pornography back then. And when I say back then, we're talking, like, way back in time. Like, so far... Oh, so far back in time, it is before the 1700s. And the reason why I know that is because I have 1700s written on my notes here. Really good notes for this part of the story. So before the 1700s, these big seeds were floating around. People would find them as a shapely woman. People believed if you drank the juice out of them, it would cure all poisons. It was an antidote for all poisons. And it was also just like this really sexy thing to look at. Because what else are you going to do? You're going to have like papyrus porn? You're going to have like sexy hieroglyphics? No, you have this coco de mer. What's interesting about this, so again, when I was talking about the way humans observe things, is that, so they would fall off the tree from one island, sink to the bottom of the ocean, slough off, and then float to the top. Sailors would be sailing, and they'd see these seeds every so often pop to the top of the water, and they fish it out and be like, oh, this is sexy. I'm going to take this to my room. The captain's like, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'll be back in like five minutes. The, what they, they knew they were seeds. They're like, hey, this is kind of like a coconut without the furry part, and it's way more sexy. So if you saw seeds floating up out of the ocean, and nobody knew where these plants were. Nobody knew these were actual trees on an island in the Seychelles, or however you pronounce that. If you just saw every so often a seed pop out of the ocean, you would think... There must be trees at the bottom of the ocean, and the seeds are falling up. So that's what they actually thought, that there was a forest at the bottom of the ocean. Because just observational, just just based on observation, if a seed falls off a tree, you go, there. Well, there's a tree in front of me. So if seeds are coming out of the ocean, therefore there are trees at the bottom of the ocean. This then grew to the legend that sometimes these trees would get so high, that's what would create choppy waters. And then as time went on, they said, well, if there's trees down there, there must be birds down there. So they created the story of this giant underwater bird, and they tied it into local mythology, and it would eat ships. Ships that went missing basically got trapped in these waves created by these trees, and the bird would come and eat them and stuff like that. Just based on observation, this whole story built up over the centuries. Seeds come out of the water, therefore there's trees under the waters. Birds live in trees, therefore there's probably a bird down there. And sometimes ships disappear. It's probably the trees and the birds. It wasn't until 1768 that they actually found the island with these on them. Which probably really sucks for that guy who spent 4,000 gold florins for one. Because then you're like, oh man, I could have just went there. I could have, like, bought a boat and found them. Anyway, so they, they found whole trees of these things. They're fairly endangered now. But they found trees, and they're like, they found them with the coconut. The, they're still all furry and stuff like that. The story doesn't end there. Because when they get to the island, they find the these trees. Most plants have, like, a male and a female. I think some are the same. Anyways, these trees have male and female. The female is the shapely coconut with the buttocks and the hips and the thighs the male one looks like it looks like a big penis the seed that comes off the male tree is like i don't know 10 inches long and tubular and the people are like what 
how, how, what, like, what? And so the, then another rumor grew. At night, during storms, the two trees would knock together, and they would have, that's how they fertilized the tree. That's how they were able to fertilize the seeds. And if you ever saw two of these trees having sex, you went blind or you died on the spot. And what's even more bizarre is science can't figure out how these trees are, like, fertilized or germinate. I'm not saying they're actually having sex during a storm. But that's just added, that just added more to that legend that these trees are having sex. And to be fair, if any two trees in the world look like they could actually have sex, it would be these trees. Now, I know you're thinking, Jason, you've talked for about 10 minutes about what these trees look like. And it's a podcast. Fair enough. But I know for a fact that about 80% of you are now Googling Coco de Mer and you guys will be, you get like that. That looks like the Kim Kardashian of coconuts. It's bizarre. It's a, I, I think that, I think the fact that, oh, and there's another legend that this may have been the fruit that Eve gave Adam for the Garden of Eden, but I thought he took a bite out of it. How do you take a bite out of a coconut? Don't you have to crack it open with a machete or something? Or like smash it on a rock? If I had one of these, I wanted to smash it on a rock. Dude, I wonder if I can buy one on eBay. I wonder if they go bad, actually. I wonder if, like, if I bought one, it would just kind of, like, molt in my apartment. I don't know. Coco de Mer, though. I, again, cool-looking coconut. Interesting story. I want one. I should start a Kickstarter to buy myself a Coco de Mer. Maybe that will be our first... Or would that be a GoFundMe? I don't know. Go fund my perverse desire to have a sexually attractive coconut in my house. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio, this was a tough one, man. I'm, gonna, I'm dreading editing that Candace Newmaker story. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>